0: Hello and welcome to this podcast from Pure Sports Medicine. We're a team of expert clinicians based in seven locations across London and we're passionate about getting you active, helping you get better after injury and hopefully preventing further problems. My name is Sam Wilde and I'm a physiotherapist and Deputy Clinical Director for Pure Sports Medicine and our aim is to share with you the kind of advice and tips we're giving out to our patients every day in clinic. This episode is one in a series all about nutrition. And in it, we're going to be hearing from Pure Sports Medicine's Mark Bubbs. is also Performance Nutrition Lead for Canada Basketball, the author of several books, and he also has his very own podcast aptly entitled The Dr. Mark Bubbs Performance Podcast. As you've no doubt guessed, he's an expert when it comes to how nutrition benefits elite athletes. But his advice can have wider applications. In this edition, we look at how nutrition can affect life in the office. For example, why you feel sleepy in those long afternoon meetings, how much coffee you should be drinking, and why your snacks should never be within arm's reach. I caught up with Mark at our practice in Canary Wharf.
1: So around energy at, at the office, I mean, we wanna even start with sleep. You know, if you don't get enough sufficient sleep in a single night, the following morning, your fasting glucose will be higher than normal, right? Just from the stress of not having slept enough. Now, as we move through the day, and people, you know, struggling with low energy or wanting, you know, constant cravings, that type of thing, there's a few different things going on there. Um, one of them is that notion that we talked about around metabolic flexibility. So, if your body actually has, you know, if you're 20% body fat and your body has 60,000 calories of energy, surely you can go from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. sitting at your desk. But the answer is, for some people, it's difficult. They get low energy, they get cravings, and so it's that body being stuck and wanting to burn. What we're eating what we're consuming as fuel rather than being able to access and burn your own body fat so that's that's one of the aspects and typically the higher your blood sugars are ha1c which is a three-month average of blood sugars will give us an indication of that if you're holding on to too much weight if you've got higher belly fat those are all indications that you're not going to be as metabolically flexible as you as we'd like you to be The second piece of that, and the the afternoon is a classic example of people struggling with energy levels. I mean, part of that you got a little bit of a circadian low in the afternoon, so it's normal to feel a little bit more fatigued. If you've caffeinated too heavily in the AM, you know the half life of caffeine being six hours, you're starting to come down off of that as well. And so, if you're really, you know, consuming too much caffeine in the in the morning, then that can have a an impact as well. So, if you're consuming coffee too late in the afternoon, even two or three o'clock. You know, it's still going to be in your system, 11, midnight, 1, 2 a.m. So that's going to start to impact sleep architecture and the quality of your sleep, even things like black tea, uh, chocolate, etc., depending on how much someone's taking in are things to think about. And the bigger question, though, is actually just the total amount. And so the sweet spot for caffeine intake is 3 to 4 milligrams per kilogram body weight per day. So if you take an 80-kilogram male, that's about 240 milligrams of caffeine for one day now people say okay well how much is that and typically you know if you go to a coffee shop in central london you know you're going to get an americano or a cappuccino it's a double pour so you're getting about 120 milligrams in one cup so you've got enough for two cups anything more than that you start to push the upper end if you get above six milligrams per kilogram you're really starting to get to the red line and this is where symptoms of anxiety, you know you can contribute to insomnia and even when we look at the DSM-5, which is the medical bible, so to say, of, of mental diagnostics, you know, excessive caffeine intake leads to anxiety. And then the third part's environment, and there's been some great research done on, you know, we sort of eat mindlessly or we snack because it's around us. And so, you know, if a snack is in your desk drawer or, or on your desk, you're something like 85 to 90 percent likely to have that snack. If it's down the hall in the kitchen at the, in your office or company, then it drops to like sixty percent if you literally have to get out of the building and cross the street to get that same snack now it falls to twenty percent and so environments really a big key in this and if if people are really struggling and having to feel like they need to snack all the time then you know things like stress that lack of sleep stress and and, and not having the right feeling strategy are definitely um, key areas to look at because really you should be able to go between meals and go three four five hours without eating and not you know feel like you need to take a nap under your desk or <laughs> not be so unpleasant that none of your colleagues want to chat with you you know
0: patients will often say they know what to do they they don't need advice or to seek professional expert opinion because they kind of know what they need to do they might not be doing it though and they might not be putting it into practice one of the, the the key elements that you would break down during your assessment
1: I mean, what we'd want to do effectively is really bring some life to what's going on in the nutrition front and the health front. Because if someone's investing their money, they're going to be keeping track of that. They're going to have metrics and markers to know how much they're earning in their job or their investments. But yet, when it comes to our own health, and you've only got one body, when it comes to our own health, we sort of use guesswork. We, I, I think I feel pretty good. <laughs> so we want to take some of that guesswork out of it and use blood tests, tests that you might get from your GP and tests that we can run and something like fasting glucose is a great example. So fasting glucose is your blood sugar levels first thing in the morning upon rising. And you know, there's a normal range for what we want to see folks. But when we look at some of these longer observational studies, you know, some over twenty years, if you're in the highest twenty five percent of fasting glucose in the morning, and this is within the normal range, so up against that upper end of normal, you know, that, that, that range where you're not gonna get a call back from your your GP because you're not in a disease condition you're actually at a 40 percent increased risk of cardiovascular disease and so you know we see this actually a dose dependent manner as well the more your blood sugars go up in terms of fasting the greater the risk of of cardiovascular events and so from the health perspective it's a useful marker now also from uh, again lack of sleep stress all of those things we see this athletes training hard that'll also increase fasting glucose and so we can start to use as an example that as a metric and say well it's nice that you're 5.6 and in the normal range but the research suggests you know 5.3 or less is what we should be aiming for or really less than five and so if you're not there yet how do we start to continue to tweak and continue to upgrade your diet because I think most people get stuck into is it good or bad or I eat a generally healthy diet and it can be healthy but it's not a question of right versus wrong it's just continuing to, to upskill and improve what's going on because, you know, when you have metrics in front of you, you know, the metrics don't lie. If we see inflammation, if we see triglycerides elevated, um, if we see issues around, you know, LDL, cholesterol, etc then we can, we can change things from a dietary standpoint. And the nice part is when you change your diet, we'll see shifts in these metrics. We'll see improvements in body composition and, and health and mental focus and things like that.
0: Mark Bubb speaking there. And you can hear more from Mark on our other episodes all about nutrition. The best way to get hold of them is to subscribe to our channel on whatever platform you use. Also, if you've got time to rate, review and share the podcast, that could help others who may find this advice really useful. Finally, if you'd like to know more about us, then please do go to our website, puresportsmedicine.com. For now, though, it's goodbye.